Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. All right, well, we are in the book of Revelation, and we made it to chapter 7. Now, we have studied a lot about Bible prophecy and about all the geopolitical alliances in the world today are lining up exactly as the Bible predicted. There are some of them that are shocking. Think about this, Russia, Iran, Turkey, and Syria. Those are unlikely bedfellows. Why did they align? And they only started aligning about, what, six years ago, right? And now they are completely aligned together. The Bible predicted in the last days, Russia, Iran, Syria, and Turkey would align together. It's happening. What about the other nations in Psalm 83? Those right around Israel, including part of Syria and Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, and even the Gaza Strip, which is ancient what? Who remembers? Where the Palestinians are, the Gaza Strip. It's the land of Philistia, where the Philistines lived. It's that exact location in the Gaza Strip where the Palestinians are that keep lobbing bombs at Israel. Psalm 83 are another group of nations that said they would come together against Israel. More than that, supernaturally, God said, in the last days, I will draw the Jews back to the land that I gave their forefathers. That happened in 1917. Folks, the Bible is prophetically accurate, and the book of Revelation kind of brings it all to culmination. I love studying it, and I think there's a blessing. Doesn't it say that in the beginning of Revelation? Hey, those who hear the words of this prophecy and guard against the things written in it, they will be blessed, and that's you and I today. Last week, we covered the start of the day of the Lord in the great tribulation, the sixth seal. And it ended with Christ appearing in the sky. This is right after the abomination of desolation. Everyone sees the Lord Jesus Christ, including the Antichrist. Now remember, have you heard of globalism? What is that? It's people trying to bring the world together as one nation, no longer sovereign nations, but under the UN's control. Uh, it's a global government, and that's what we're headed for. The Bible also said, man, in the last days, and they didn't even know what this meant. You're going to have a cashless money system. You're going to be able to buy and sell with an etching. Guess what? Chip. A chip etching in the Greek. It's really interesting. You're going to be able to do everything without physical money. We're coming to that, a global government, and that's why everyone's opposed to walls and borders and all this stuff. Even the Antichrist is going to hide when they see Jesus Christ right at the middle of that last seven-year period. They're all going to run into the rocks of the caves and say, hide us from the presence of whom who sits on the throne, Christ, because the day of their wrath has come. So Revelation 6.15, it said, the kings of the earth, including the Antichrist, the false Messiah, and the great men and the commanders, the rich, the strong, every servant or slave or free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, you guys all know that last seven-year period after the, the Antichrist comes and bring a false world peace, right? What's it called? What do we call that last seven-year period? 
Most people call it the tribulation. The Bible calls it the 70th week of Daniel. And that's why I have the 70th week, because Daniel gave a prophecy about 69 weeks, the Messiah, the Prince would come, and it did, as exactly as predicted, Jesus came, and then he would be cut off or die on the cross, which he did. But the 70th week is that last week. It starts when the Antichrist, the world's going to get in such chaos right here that he's going to come and bring a false world peace. Finally, they're going to have their global government. And that's the first seal. The second seal, wars and rumors of wars. Three nations are going to oppose this one world government, and the Antichrist and the rest of the world are going to fight them. Famine and locusts is the third seal. Uh, terrorism and pestilence, the fourth. Fifth seal, Christians are killed for their faith. Probably the mark of the beast, the cashless society, is going to be enacted right about in here because the economy will collapse so much here that they'll need uh, some other form of currency, and that'll be the cashless uh, system that really comes into play. Then the abomination of desolation. What happens there? The, the Antichrist goes into the rebuilt temple and does what? Hey, I'm God. You have to worship me. Then the whole world's like, no, you're not. And that's when all hell breaks loose. That's where the sixth seal is broken, and that's the great tribulation or the day of the Lord. Okay, The sun grows dark, the moon doesn't give its light, and the seventh seal's broken, and immediately there's silence in heaven. And we're going to cover that next week, or in two weeks, because next week is our special Christmas. Uh, I can't wait for that. Man, Christmas is coming too quick. So next week we have Christmas uh, here. It's going to be a Christmas message. And then our Christmas party afterwards, White Elephant Gift Exchange. And I'm going to tell you about my great, great, great grandpa Rudolph and his wife Olga. You know, it's a true story, maybe. <laughs> so uh, any questions on this timeline before we hit? So what's going to happen right before this? The Psalm 83 war, that's all the nations right around Israel are finally going to go to war with Israel again. They're going to lose. This is going to bring Russia down and Iran, Turkey, and parts of Syria and Iraq into war against Israel as well. The Gog-Magog war prophesied in Ezekiel 37-38. So all you military guys in here, let your commanders know these wars are coming. Make no mistake about it, they will come, and already the, 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 the signs of them going to war are there. H have you found it interesting in the past like month, you haven't heard any news about much Israel, Syria, ISIS, Turkey, all these things. It's gone dark. You know, I haven't heard that much uh, intel about all of that. Just prior to that, though, man, everyone was on the verge of war with Israel, including Russia. Now think about that. Ezekiel 38 would be the fulfillment of that. So uh, all of that's going to happen. The world will be in such chaos. Finally, this dude's... Hey, put that hat back up there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who put... No, I do know who put this here. How many of you like Nike? They're, they're sponsoring us today. You can see the little Nike symbol up on top. Um, yeah, they're actually paying us thousands of dollars. They're high Nike people. No, I wish they were, but they're not. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you about it later, what it means. Anyone have Nike shoes on? I wore my Nike shoes that Patrick gave me. Patrick gave me these shoes. Yeah, Nikes. Yeah. All right. 
So uh, any questions on that stuff? Some of you are like, what? We just had a commercial in church? <laughs> These are Nike Airs. They make me bounce as I preach. <laughs> if we were holy rollers, I could jump. Susie. Okay, now most Christians today put the rapture somewhere here. It could happen today. I really believe that we've gone over the signs that we are raptured out of the great tribulation just after the abomination. Now, let, let me point something out. None of this is wrath. These are all natural events. Wars and rumors of wars, we have today. Famine and, and locusts and pestilence, all over the world, we have today. Terrorism and pestilence, all over the world today. ISIS is, you know, everywhere. Even in the States, we have terrorism going on. Christian martyrs all over the world today, Christians are being killed through the 1040 window. That's where uh, predominantly uh, Muslim nations are. Christians are being killed. So these are natural events. The abomination is when the Antichrist goes in and then the six seals broken and the day of the Lord starts and it starts with the rapture. So we're rescued out of the great tribulation. The seventh seal begins the wrath of God on this earth. And that's the bad stuff that you read in the book of Revelation later on. That is bad stuff. We're not appointed under wrath. In fact, the Bible says we're going to be rescued from the wrath. Rescued in the Greek, and we went over it, means to be as someone drowning in imminent peril, being snatched, caught up, and rescued quickly. Are you with me? Okay. I was hoping this had a Nike thing on it, but it didn't. It has ping. By the way, Garrett Breeland gave me this. Uh, you guys that remember Garrett, um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I don't know how I fit it. I, it must have been really tight on him, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, because he was a big guy. He played Rams for, or football for the Rams for a short time, and his sons were still print. Where's he playing? Oregon? Jake? Yep. Okay. All right. Any other questions? Susie? Okay, now that, I believe, is going to be a short period of time. So when we look at, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, one of the churches, I believe it's Smyrna, it says, you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I don't think that that is symbolic, because nowhere else in Scripture do we have 10 representing really anything. So it could be a literal 10 days we have, they implement the mark, they begin to kill Christians. And in fact, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told the disciples, when they begin to persecute you, and that's right here at the fifth seal, uh, flee from one city to the next. You won't finish going through the cities of Israel till I come for you, rapture. Okay, so it'll be a short period of time, not a long period of time. All right, okay. So the, the events of the sixth seal, the great tribulation, are these, the timeline. It's the first thing that happens, the abomination, that, that's where the Antichrist goes in. There's a war in heaven. Remember, finally Satan will be cast out of heaven, Revelation chapter 12. So when the Antichrist goes into the temple on earth, Satan attacks the temple in heaven, which is the very throne room of God. At the same exact time, it is a two-front war, both in heaven and on earth. Uh, you guys in the military, give me some tactics on this. You know, we have Satan going, hitting the, the home post, 
And then the, the outpost on earth, we have the Antichrist hidden. That's the abomination. Six seals broken, war in heaven, Satan and his demons are cast out. The sun grows dark. The meteor shower is actually the stars falling from heaven. And last week we went through the verses. Those stars are Satan and his demons falling to the earth. Uh, and he comes to the earth with great wrath, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, because he knows his time is short. It's right after the abomination. Uh, Christ appears in the clouds. Uh, the world mourns. The Jews at that time uh, repent. They look upon him who they pierced. They repent and mourn, and they're taken to the wilderness and protected for the last three and a half years. All the Jews, except the 144,000, which we'll talk about today. <clears throat> we are raptured up rescued from the wrath, the multitude in heaven, and we're going to get into that this morning in Revelation chapter 7. So this is Revelation chapter 6, the end of it, the sixth seal and the rest of the seals. 7, it talks about the 144,000 being sealed, Israel being saved, and the multitude that no one can count in heaven. Finally, the raptured saints, the church. Okay, and the 144,000, if you, you know, they are Jehovah Witnesses. No, they're not. <laughs> but they will be witnesses for Yahweh. Okay, we're going to talk about who they are. Then the seventh seal, which we're going to get into, Revelation chapter 8, in two weeks, for the first time since creation, there's silence for half an hour in heaven. Think about that. In heaven right now, what's going on? Since angels were created, they are worshiping and praising God and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're singing praises to God. But right before God's wrath is poured out on this earth, right after we've been raptured, they break the seventh seal and there's silence for half an hour. In fact, the Bible says no, no wind will even blow on the earth. There's going to be silence everywhere in anticipation of the wrath of God and celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, I love that, man. We're going to talk about that more in two weeks. So Revelation chapter 7, that's our text this morning. And it happens right after all of the events of the sixth seal that we just read about. So Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth that does not mean the earth is flat you know any flat earth people do you i mean it's really funny they really believe the earth is flat and it's like wow you know how can you believe that man even the bible says it's a sphere hung where in job where, where does it say it's hung in empty space in nothing. It's, it's in space. It's, it, it's a sphere hung in empty space. We don't have big tortoises holding up the earth like the Buddhists believe, you know, or, you know, pillars. It, it's hung in empty space. So the four corners of the earth really mean four points of the compass. Could we say the whole earth? Yeah, north, south, east, and west, wherever you go, wherever you're at, it's going to involve the whole earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. What do spirits mean in Greek and Hebrew? The word in both Greek and Hebrew is wind. Isn't that interesting? Could we say maybe holding back the four spirits of the earth? Are there four winds on the earth? That no wind would blow on the earth or the sea or any tree. Could be a reference to Zechariah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 because in that passage there's four chariots with horses that go out into all the world 
earth, and they're called the four spirits of heaven, or could we say the four wind winds of heaven? Same word. You can translate it either way. It's ruach in the Hebrew and can be translated wind. Verse 2 of Revelation 7. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun to the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels uh, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Let me ask you a question. When are Christians sealed? When, when you believe in Jesus Christ, are you sealed? The very minute you believe, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we receive the seal, and what that means is ownership and protection. It means God himself, man, you are his child now, and he will protect you. He will, he will uh, seal you and protect you. But these guys, 144,000, are going to get sealed right after the rapture. Okay? They need to get sealed, meaning they're not born again believers. We're going to talk about that. But notice this. It says, don't harm the earth, sea, and trees until after we've sealed the 144,000. So we know exactly when this happens. Do not harm the earth, sea, and trees is the, break, or the sounding of the first trumpet judgment. So what we have in Revelation chapter 8, which we'll get into in two weeks, they sounded the first trumpet. This is the breaking of the seventh seal. And there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, the green grass was burned up. The second angel, could that be global warming? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but it's part of the wrath. Uh, the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became like blood. So what did we read in our text this morning in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3? Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of God on their foreheads, the 144,000. When does that happen? Right after the abomination, the great tribulation, the rapture, uh, Israel protected, 144,000 get sealed, seven seals broken, and the trumpet judgments are blown, Revelation chapter 8, where they be first harm the earth, the trees, and the sea. Any questions on that? Are you following me? Am I going too fast? No? Yeah? A little bit? Okay. I'm going to slow down. Just remind me. Slow down. Right, Russ? <laughs> like, uh, I, I am jacked up on caffeine, and so it's like, you know, I'll just go crazy just so fast. So it's really cool that, I mean, we know that what he was talking about in Revelation chapter 7, our text this morning, hey, don't harm these things. He's talking about the first two trumpet judgments. They're going to come quick. They're going to come swiftly. It's going to harm first the earth, the trees, and the sea. And he says, don't do that until we've sealed the bondservants, Revelation 7, 3, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have the bondservants of our God sealed on their foreheads. So then the question is, who are the bondservants? In fact, a lot of people say the 144,000 are Christians because they're called bondservants. Are we called bondservants? Throughout the New Testament, a bondservant is what? Literally, the term is slave. We've, it can be slave or servant. And by the way, if you work for somebody, 
when the Bible says slave, you're kind of like that servant in uh, volunteer, vo voluntary service to that person. So it's not talking about slavery with chains and whips and all of that. It's more talking about indentured servants or people working for someone else that has authority over them. Does that make sense? All right. So who are the bond servants? Let's get into it. Both in the Old Covenant and the New, those that fear God and follow his law are called bond servants of God, both in the Old Testament and the New Covenant, New Testament. In fact, Moses in Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, is called a bond servant, and he's the one that enacted the law. And they sang the song of Moses, the bond servant of God. Okay, so bond servant simply means a free will servant of God. In fact, in those days, if you were a slave, every jubilee, all the slaves went free. That's every seven years. And then every major jubilee, every 50 years, all land went back to its rightful owners, like we found that happened to Israel. But every seven years, you would have to let your slaves or servants go free. Some of those servants didn't want to leave. They loved working for their master, so they would become a bond servant. How would they do that? They would get their ear and go up symbolically to the doorpost of the master, and he would pierce their ear. And they would get a gold ring in their ear, and it would signify that I am a free will bond or free will servant of somebody. And so even the idea of bond servant means that you have decided, as for me, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I am going to die to myself and follow Jesus Christ as a free will servant of God. So both in the Old Testament and New Testament, a bond servant was simply a free will servant. It's interesting that at this very time in eschatology, we will no longer be bond servants. Do you know that? Do you know that we will no longer be bondservants of Christ after the rapture? What will we be? It's up there. Hey, we're going to be friends. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants or slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you what? Friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Not only that, we are joint heirs with Christ. We will rule and reign with Christ. Uh, we will no longer be slaves or servants. We will be friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, as a corporate body, we will be the what of Christ? The bride of Christ, right? Okay, not individually, but as a corporate. Also, we'll be royal priests. So during this time, we are no longer bondservants. But the Jews that follow God and Jesus Christ after the rapture, they will still be bondservants. All those that didn't take the mark of the beast, that make it into the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, will still be bondservants, and we will rule and reign with Christ over them as royal priests for a thousand years. Okay, any questions on that? All right. So the 144,000 can't be Christians, can't represent Christians, because we will no longer be bondservants then. We will be friends and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, which I love. Isn't that neat? We will reign over the 12 tribes, including the 144,000. Luke 22:29 says, Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Ah, oh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
You know, what's Jesus fasting from right now in heaven? Wine. Yeah, at the Lord's Supper, he said, I'm not going to drink wine again until I drink it with you where? In my Father's kingdom. And that's the banqueting table right after the rapture. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on my thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. We will rule and reign with Christ for that thousand years, 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, literally overcome, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. So in Revelation chapter 7, our text this morning, there's two groups of people, the 144,000 and the church from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And we're going to get there. All right, these two groups have different seals as where. Right now, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? The minute we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we get the protection, the assurance that we're children of God by the Holy Spirit. Revelation 7, uh, 4 through 8, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Let's first talk about what we're going to be sealed with after the rapture. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. He who overcomes, he who does what? Overcomes. Do you know throughout the uh, New Testament, one of the greatest commands that are given to the church is to be an overcomer. Okay, we're going to focus on that at the end of the sermon this morning. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I want you to know right now who is the pillar in God's temple? And Timothy, Paul wrote this to Timothy. Hey, write, write this to the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth in God's household. What that means is we are the ones that contend for the faith, that stand for truth. Uh, and he will never leave it. I will write on him the name of my God. What's God's name? This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Yahweh, right? Or Yahweh. The name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. So we're getting two names at least. And I will also write on him, Jesus says, my new name. So we get three names as seals written on us. Do you think they're literally written? No. I think these mean authority. You know, a representative or ambassador of the president of the United States, when he goes to a foreign country, he comes in the name of what? Hey, the United States of America, that's one name, authority. If the president sent him in the name of Trump, if the White House sent him and, the, and all of them in the name of the White House or the White House said this, you ever read that in the newspaper? The White House doesn't speak, but a representative of the White House does. So we will not only have authority and access to God the Father, Yahweh, the new Jerusalem, which only Christians are allowed in, no one else. And there'll be nations living on the new earth for eternity that bring their glory to the new Jerusalem, but they can't come in. We have the key. That's why we get the name of that city on us as well. And Christ said, my new name. Now, that new name that Jesus gets is not Yeshua, which is his name now. It's a name that no one knows. Revelation 19, 12. His eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. You know, we get a new name too, written on a white stone, that no one knows except ourselves. Isn't that interesting? One of the promises to the seven churches.
So we get those three names. The 144,000 do not get those three names. They get two other names. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple. Oh, that's us. City, my God, no doubt. Re- oh, yeah, I already did that. Okay, 144,000. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3 again. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees. What's that? When are they harmed? The first and second trumpet judgments that are going to be blown after this until I seal the foreheads of the servants of our God. Revelation 9, 4. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or the plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Hey, this is another trumpet judgment, and those are the locusts that come out out of the ground, and they torment men for three months. These are some pretty crazy bugs that sting them, but they don't kill them. It's just very painful, but they won't hurt the people that have the seal of God. The seal they get is Revelation 14.1. Then I looked, and before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and what? His father's name written on their foreheads. That's their seal. So what did they have? Not what we have. They get Yahushua or Yeshua and Yahweh written on their foreheads. We get Yahweh, the new Jerusalem, and Jesus' new name that no one knows. But it means we have access. So they get a different seal that we get. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, 144,000 aren't part of the church. Go ahead, Susie. It, it will be the completed Zion. Uh, so probably the whole thing will be Zion. The new Jerusalem is the, the city that will descend that will be on the new earth where we spend eternity. Uh, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. Yeah, so the name of the new Jerusalem, whatever that is, will be on there. And I believe that'll be like our access key because we get to go in and go out. The gates are always open. All right, more than that, in Revelation 14, we find out that the 144,000 are just males and they're purchased as bond slaves and they've been chast, they've never touched a woman. Revelation 14, 4. These are the ones who have not defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste, celibate. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. So the 144,000 are single male Jews that have been celibate, and they're sealed to do what? Where's all Israel right at this time when the 144,000 are getting sealed? They're taken to the wilderness and protected for three and a half years. That's all the Jews that looked upon Christ when they saw him, they, who they pierced, they mourned, and they're taken to the wilderness and protected. The 144,000 are going to be doing something on the earth because they're not going to be in that protective bubble with the rest of the Jews. They'll be out, so they need that seal to be protected. So these guys have fully dedicated themselves to God. You can imagine... When the false Messiah comes, they're going to believe that is the Messiah, the Antichrist. They will rebuild their temple for the first time in, what, 2,000 years almost. They're going to be able to reinstitute temple sacrifice. In their mind, they're going to say, our Bible is true, Messiah has come, Mashiach, but it's the false Messiah. You can bet 12,000 from every tribe are going to consecrate themselves to God because they'll think they're serving God. These guys are, then when they see Christ, they'll see that, oh, no, that, 
that was the false Messiah, they'll believe in Jesus Christ and they'll be sealed to do works of God the last three and a half years. Now, as we read, well, let's just turn there, Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 5. And it talks about the 12 tribes, but it's really interesting because two of the tribes in this list uh, are missing from the original Genesis chapter 29 list. And you can see the chart up there. But Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 5, it says this. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. Tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. Tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Tribe of Simeon, 12,000. Tribe of Levi. I'm wearing Levi's today just for him. Uh, 12,000. By the way, Levi's became the what? The priestly tribe. So when you wear your Levi's, remember you're a royal priest. Are you with me? You have priestly garb on as you put Levi's on. Never mind. And your Nikes, then you're really holy. <laughs> oh, and from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Verse 9, we get into the great multitude, which is the raptured church. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, what we have is, here's the original 12 sons of Jacob. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. Are you with me? Okay. Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So in Numbers, they removed Joseph, but they added Ephraim and Manasseh. They became so big, they became individual tribes rather than one tribe under Joseph. They removed Levi. Why do you think they did that? Yeah, because they didn't inherit the land when they got there. Remember, the Levites were the priests. They were dedicated to God, so they served all the tribes, and there still had to be 12, so they split Joseph into Ephraim and Manasseh. And why did they split him? Because Jacob gave Joseph a double blessing. Okay, interesting. Then in Revelation, we still have all of them, but Dan is left out. And Ephraim's no longer there, but they added Joseph again. But Manasseh's there, and Ephraim is part of Joseph. So Ephraim is still there, but they just put it under Joseph for, for that time frame. Does that make sense? Ah, Dan. My senior year of college, Bible college, I was supposed to go on an archaeological dig in Dan, the tell at Dan. And when you read like tell Dan or... Uh, Tel Aviv or whatever. It used to be a mound, a tell where you knew something was buried under there and you could archaeologically dig it up and find stuff. So um, I didn't go because I got a full-time youth pastor job right after Bible college. So I gave my ticket to my buddy. They found a stinking golden statue calf because Dan began to worship the golden calf again. Yeah. So Dan abandoned God. They became uh, really a, a tribe of golden calf worshipers. And they did that under, I already went through all of that. I just told you, so we don't have to go through it. Uh, oh yeah. So it was under Jeroboam. Remember Jeroboam when the, the kingdom was split, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom of Israel? Well, Jeroboam didn't want to have to go all the way to Jerusalem to worship God. So when the north, Jeroboam, the king of the northern kingdom, said, man, let's set up two what? 
golden calves to worship. One will be in Dan, one will be in Bethel, but Dan became the center of golden calf worship and idolatry for the nation of Israel. If you wanted to worship the golden calf, go to Dan. You know, part of your head out dancing around the golden calf statue. So Dan, we believe, was rejected, left out, because they became the leader of idolatry for the nation of Israel. That's what we think. We don't know for sure. But in the millennial kingdom in Ezekiel, Dan is forgiven, and Dan's listed as part of the tribes again in the millennial kingdom. Okay, so the second group is the church. Turn to Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. And we'll just continue reading our text. After these things, by the way, that, that phrase, where do we remember that phrase from? Revelation chapter 4. It's metatauta, and it means simply, after these things. <laughs> now, a pre-trib guy will say that means the end of an age and the start of a new age doesn't mean that it's simply a progression of events after these guys are sealed he goes to a scene in heaven and i looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count when the bible tells you that that means this is a lot of people are you with me because they can count pretty high okay uh this means this is such a huge multitude that you, it's, it's mind-blowing. Have you ever been in a crowd that's so big you can't even, wow, there, there's thousands of people here. It's so huge that no one could count, note this, from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Those who are clothed in white robes, who are they and where have they come from? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the what? Great tribulation. Where's the rapture at? Six seal, great tribulation. Are you with me? And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of Christ. These are Christians. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them and they will hunger no longer nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them nor heat for the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. All right, and then in two weeks, we'll get into Revelation chapter eight. All right, let's make some observations really quick. It's a great multitude that no one could count. That's every Christian from the birth of the church, including the apostles, till the rapture of the church. When will Paul get raptured? trick question at the rapture when will we get raptured at the rapture will every christian that has ever lived will be raptured at the rapture and guess what they're going to come out of the great tribulation 
Are you with me? Today, if we die, where does our spirit go? To heaven, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Where does our body go? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Why does the dead in Christ come with Christ, but their bodies rise first before we do? Because God will reconstruct their bodies mortal to immortal, and our bodies, who we were alive and remain, it says, will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, from mortal to immortal. These mortal bodies will become Im immortal. Okay, are you with me? Okay, so the dead in Christ will rise first. That means everybody is going to come up out of the great tribulation. All the saints, Paul, everyone, all of them. Does that make sense? At the rapture. All right. That's why it's a great multitude that no one can count. If you think about every Christian that has ever lived from the inception of the church, that's a great multitude of people. They're from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Have we reached the whole world with the gospel? Not yet. Some guesstimate we have about 800 people groups left to go. Okay, Christ said what? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? The uttermost parts of the earth, the whole earth, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Guess what? The fullness of the Gentiles, when that happens, all Israel is saved. When is all Israel saved? Right after the abomination of desolation, all Israel looks upon him who they pierce, they repent, and they're taken to the wilderness, all Israel, and protected for the last three and a half years during the wrath. You with me? Okay. All right. So that's when that happens. We finally fulfill the Great Commission. The gospel will be preached, Matthew 24, 14, as a testimony to the whole world, to all nations, and then the end will come, the end of the church age, the rapture of the church. All right. So the white robes, these guys are given white robes and so are we. Revelation 3, 5, he who overcomes, oh, does what? Overcomes, D did I tell you to remember that word? Okay, overcomes, uh, will thus be clothed in white garments, sorry, I forgot a space, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 19, 7, let us rejoice. This is the marriage supper of the lamb right after the rapture, once we're taken up. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come. That's that banqueting table Christ said, you're going to eat with me at? And I'm going to drink wine with you for the first time in 2,000 years. Uh, has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, white robes, bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So they're raptured out of the great tribulation. These are the ones that come out of the great tribulation. Remember the timeline. The great tribulation is the breaking of the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6. So we look at the timeline again. Seal 1, seal 2, seal 3, seal 4, Christian martyrs, abomination, silence. The great tribulation is here, and that's all the signs of the rapture. In fact, Christ said the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Then I will send forth my angels with a trumpet and gather my elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Rapture the church. Great tribulation is just, remember in Joel, in Jeremiah, and last week we went over it. If you missed it, you can watch the video on our uh, church website. But Joel, Jeremiah, Matthew 24, and Revelation 6 all talk about this day where the sun grows dark, moon doesn't give its light. And it says it's a day like no other day. 
In fact, it's called in Jeremiah 30, the time of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. So then the wrath is trumpet judgment and God's wrath being poured out on a, a, all the rest of the people that are left on the earth that refuse to repent and refuse to acknowledge God. Yeah, it's short, really short. I mean, when you read the events, it, it's like in, in all three of those texts, Jeremiah, Joel, uh, Matthew 24, and even Revelation 6, the breaking of the sixth seal, it's a real quick, re a real short event. Um, silence in heaven, which we'll talk about in two weeks on Revelation chapter 8. So again, the great tribulation uh, starts with the breaking of the sixth seal right after the abomination. Uh, there's a war in heaven. Satan and his demons are cast out. Revelation chapter 12, you can read about that last war. Uh, the world mourns. All Israel look upon him who they pierced and repent. They're taken to the wilderness and protected. The rapture happens. The great multitude we just read about in Revelation chapter 7. All Israel is saved. The fullness of the Gentiles came in during this time. Uh, 144,000 sealed, those Jewish males that are celibate. And then the seventh seal, silence in heaven, and God's wrath begins. And we're rescued just prior to the wrath that'll be poured out on this earth. All right, so this is the church. Remember the promise. They will hunger no longer, Revelation chapter 6, verse 16, 7, verse 16, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. These same promises are the promises given at the end of Revelation to the church and the overcomers. Well, even in John 14, 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. That's one of the promises, right? But note this in Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe every tear from their eye. Was that we just read about the great multitude? Yeah. Uh, there will no longer be any death, no longer mourning, crying, pain. The first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. The same promises in Revelation 7, the great multitude has to be the church. Okay. And he ends that with he who does what? Overcomes. <laughs> Overcomes. Ah, will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. So who are the overcomers? Hmm. First John 5, 5, it says, he, who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. He who has an ear, Revelation 2, 7, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2, 11. Uh, he who has an ear, let him hear with the Spirit. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.17, He who overcomes to him, I'll give some of the hidden manna. And he'll give a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. That's going to be your new name. Interesting. Revelation 2.26, He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end. What did Jesus say? Hey, church, preach the gospel to all nations. And then what? The end will come. Hey, he who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I'll give authority over the nations. 
Revelation 3, 5, to them who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. What were the people in Revelation 7 clothed in that came out of the great tribulation? White garments, right? Okay. He who overcomes, Revelation 3, 21, I'll grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down on my father's throne. So how do we become overcomers and what does it mean to be overcomers? Hmm. I think I'm going to skip this till we get to Revelation 12. Don't look. <laughs> Billy Graham said this, Nowhere does the Bible teach Christians are exempt from tribulations and natural disasters that come on the world. Scripture does teach that Christians can face tribulation, crisis, calamity, and personal suffering with a supernatural power that is not available to people outside of Christ. Okay, what do you think about that quote? It's true. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. So we live in a fallen world. We get sick just like everybody else does. But in the midst of trial or tribulation, we have a strength that's here that no one else has. We have a faith that's unbreakable. We have the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of trial. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Even in the midst of horrific events, you can have a peace that no one else has, knowing that you don't fear death, first of all, right? The minute we die, where, where are we? We're in the presence of God. Man, we don't fear it. Ah, oh, man, I told you when I was mugged in San Bernardino that one time, right? Okay, so I pull up in my truck, brand new truck, in front of this restaurant. I was meeting some friends. Uh, go in, eat. I'm come out, get in my truck, and a nice car pulls up right behind me, blocked me in, right? And it was a nice car. Three guys get out, uh, nicely dressed, and they knock on my window. They're like, uh, police cadets, uh, get out of the vehicle. And I'm like, I thought they were just goofing around like college kids having fun. So I'm like, oh, sure, officer. As soon as I open my door, they grab me, throw me against the car next to mine, put a knife right here. Uh, the one guy is trying to get my watch, and the one guy's holding this hand with the knife. The other guy gets on my truck, trying to start it. He couldn't turn the key. You ever have to move your steering wheel? Well, for some reason, maybe in the heat of the moment, he didn't think to turn the steering wheel a little bit. Turn. How do you turn your effing key? I'm going to stick you. And he started pushing the knife in. And all of a sudden, everything, it was like the Matrix. No, literally. Like froze. And the Holy Spirit said, when I tell you, knock the guys with the, the knife down. He was holding this arm, but go down on the knife, hit this guy in the throat. I mean, the Holy Spirit told me exactly what to do. Throw him and run now. And all of a sudden it was back and I did that and ran, got away. Um, cops came. They said they've been doing that and they've been stabbing people when they do it, even if they got their car. So, oh no, they couldn't, start, they couldn't turn the key. I ran in. They took off. Yeah. But in the midst of it, God will give us supernatural strength. I mean, don't, don't negate the fact that when you hear that voice, the light turns green, and you say, no, wait, and then a car runs the red light, that could be the Holy Spirit saving your life. You know, we need to know that we have supernatural power. We need to be overcomers. John 16, and we have like four minutes, so stick with me. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have what? 
tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that have overcome the world, our faith. Huh, Nike. If you're watching, you should sponsor this. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's free commercial. Overcomers. We need to put our Nikes on, right? You guys are saying, what are you talking about? You know, Nikes and all of that. Overcomers is nakeo in the Greek from Nike, which means victor or overcomer. In fact, in the Greek, every time you see Nike, that is a Greek word, and it means victor. And an overcomer is a victor. Nikeo is an overcomer from Nike. Okay, are you with me? So every time you see Nike, remember that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That we are victors, and one day we will rule and reign with Christ, and he gives us strength and power to overcome the world for 1 John 5, 4 and 5, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Nikeos, Nike, the world, for this is the victory, Nike, that has overcome, Nikeo, the world, our faith. Are you with me? Mm. Who is the one who overcomes? Nikeo, Nike, the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When you see this sign from this day forward, let it be a reminder that we are overcomers. Amen? And we see the sign all over, don't we? Okay, that's a Christian sign. How dare they take that? You know, Nike needs to be a Christian company because that's who we are. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the Nike through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us Nikes? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, kind of. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. That's a military term. It means hold your ground. Get in a defensive position and hold your ground no matter what is coming at you. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, if there's one thing we can do as believers, we can be steadfast, immovable, part of God's army, soldiers of the cross, armored up, soldiers of light, right? Doing great exploits for the kingdom of God. Nike, ah, victor, overcomer. That's what you are. Every time you see it, say, man, thanks for wearing who I am. <laughs> what are you talking about? I am Nike, right? Through Christ, you are Nike, victors overcomers powerful army of god <laughs> romans 8 5 and we'll end with this oh 8 35 who will separate us from the love of christ note this all the things listed there are the first five seals in revelation chapter 6 will tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness peril or sword first five seals abomination sixth seal Great tribulation, rapture. Hey, none of those things will separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because we're Nike. We're victors. We're overcomers. For just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we are more than conquerors. King James. NASB says, but in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. 
overwhelmingly Nike's victors to him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah for that. Man, you are Nike. Why don't you say it? On, together, let's all say together, I am Nike on three. One, two, three. I am Nike. How about this? We are Nike, victors, overcomers in Christ. We can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens us. Man, don't give up. Don't give in. Hang in there because you're an overcomer. Amen? Hallelujah. Man, I almost started preaching. And I'm skipping him a lot. <laughs> As the worship team comes up, God gives us strength to overcome, right? First Timothy, or Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness. That's anything that goes against the character of God. Hey, deny it, reject it. Any worldly desires. And folks, loving the world and even things in the world that God created for us to enjoy is good. You know, God created us to enjoy the things on this planet. I love pizza. I love to go to the beach. Those are good things to love. What he's talking about there are worldly desires. These are desires that go against the character of who God is. And what, those are all bad things, right? Things that will destroy you. Things that will really harm you. And live sensibly, righteously. By the way, that's rationally, logically. We don't put our mind on hold when we accept Christ. Faith is reasonable and rational. It's logical. Righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope, that's the rapture, and appearing of the glory of our God. Remember, Christ appears at the rapture. Everywhere, it's not a secret thing like so many people have taught. He literally appears. It's always called an appear, appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people of his own possession. What's that last phrase say? Zealous for good deeds. Zealous means to burn hot, to be passionate for God, to be passionate for right. You know, the best athletes are passionate about what they do. The best soldiers, I'm confident, are passionate about what they do. And they do it with every ounce of strength that they have. That's how we need to live our lives in this enemy territory we live right now, the world. We're ambassadors. Let's be Nikes. Let's be victors. Amen? Sand restores my soul, satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week.
satisfies my needs.